Notice God will keep his people in perfect peace when our mind is stayed on him. He is the God of peace. In fact, five times we find that reference made in the New Testament alone. The God of peace. Jesus talks about my peace, I leave thee. Paul said Christ himself is our peace. So there's peace in Christ. And there's peace on earth from the Prince of Peace. The Bible says that the gospel of Christ is the power of God unto salvation. Welcome to Pulpit Power, featuring Pastor Tony Skeving, Senior Pastor of Fargo Baptist Church in Fargo, North Dakota. Today's message was previously preached before a church audience. And now, here's Pastor Skeving. Well, today we are going to be talking about peace. Peace on earth from the Prince of Peace. Let's open in prayer first, shall we? Father, we thank you now for our precious Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, the Prince of Peace. Father, we thank you for the peace that he brings in salvation and the difference he makes in a life. Father, as we lift him up at this time, we do pray now that he would draw men unto himself, that they would know the peace that passeth all understanding and salvation in Jesus Christ. Bless now this time together and we'll thank you for it. We ask it all now in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Amen. Let's take our Bibles, please, and turn to the Gospel of Luke and the second chapter. Luke chapter... I was thinking a couple of days ago that this coming week marks the anniversary of the uh, assassination of of John Lennon. And that is something actually that took place just a a few months before I got saved and really made an impact on me because he was such a part of my childhood. Of course, he was part of the Beatles and so on and and was always uh, writing songs about peace. He uh, would would write songs like uh, one called Imagine and he would talk about Imagine a World with No War and so on and other songs like Give Peace a Chance and and yet he, he died violently. You know, there have been thousands of years of recorded history and during that time there's been less than 300 years where there hasn't been war someplace there's always war going on and somebody so well said that about the only time there's a ceasefire is when man stops to reload there have been over 8,000 peace treaties made down through the years and every single one of them has been broken and the reason there's war in this world is because there's war in the human heart, in the heart of man. And I think a tragic example of that is one that we don't really know so much over here with our American history, but those in in Europe would have studied the Crimean War, which took place just before our Civil War. And you say, well, what started that war? Well, it really ties in with our text here today. Over in in, uh, the Holy Land, there's what's known as the Church of the Nativity. Some of us visited it back in March. It's located in Bethlehem. And for years, the, uh, the Roman Catholic Church had placed this star over what they thought was the very birthplace of Jesus Christ. Well, the Eastern Orthodox Church came along, and they said, you've had that spot long enough. We want to put our star there. And, and the Catholics said no. And France backed the Catholics. The Russians backed the Eastern Orthodox Church, Turkey, which controlled the, the country at that time, backed the, the Catholics, and Great Britain also backed them. And so this war ensued, and hundreds of thousands of people died over the next three years, fighting over this very spot, which is supposed to be the place where peace came into the world. 
We read about it here in our text beginning in verse number 8 of Luke chapter 2. The Bible says, And there were in the same country shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were sore afraid. And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you. You shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. On earth peace and goodwill toward men. I think peace might be the thing that mankind and society and culture as we know it wants the most, but we experience it the very least. It's elusive. You can go to the bookstores and you can go to the self-help sections and, and you can take out some books on uh, having peace and, and inner peace and so on. But in this era, in this world of inner turmoil, we find a society that is full of anxiety. There was a psychologist who was counseling a man who had come in and laid down on the couch and, and the psychologist said, what's the problem? And the man said, well, um, I'm very stressed out and the psychologist said, well, why? He said, well, he goes, it's uh, financial problems. I, I, I need $5,000. The man said, well, that's odd. I just counseled somebody last week, and he had money problems, and, and he was worried about $5,000 that he owed somebody. And, and, and I told him, don't worry about it. It's just money. It's only green paper. And, and just forget about it. Move on. The guy felt all better and, and went home. And he, he, he said to the guy on the couch, so tell me about your problem with money. He said, well, I'm the guy that he owed the $5,000 to. Uh, we find all kinds of reasons to be stressed out. And we can talk about the number one killer being heart disease or, or being uh, cancer or diabetes. But the truth is, a lot of illness, and they say 80% even of all gastronomical illnesses, are stress-related. And so we are thinking ourselves sick, the mind is affecting the body. And we are spending hundreds of millions of dollars every year on therapy and, and prescriptions and, and uh, some kind of thing to numb the pain. Pot is legal now. Of course, there's, there's alcohol and drugs. And, and people are trying to feel better. People are trying to cope with life. People are trying to forget life. I'd like to say to you that God's people are immune to all that, but Christians even uh, find this very real. And I'm not, I'm not trying to minimize it. I, I'm really not. But, but before we examine so often the symptoms of the stress and the worry and the anxiety and even the health problems, we really need to examine our relationship with the Lord. The bottom line is Psalm 119 says in verse 165 that great peace have they which love thy law, and nothing shall offend them. Great peace have they which love God's word, and nothing shall offend them. And then we read over in Isaiah 26, 3, Thou wilt keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on thee, because he trusteth in thee. Notice, God will keep his people in perfect peace when our mind is stayed on him. He is the God of peace. In fact, five times we find that reference made in the New Testament alone, the God of peace. Jesus talks about my peace, I leave thee. Paul said Christ himself is our 
peace. So there's peace in Christ, and there's peace on earth from the Prince of Peace. As we talk about this today, let's talk about, first of all, what I call the certain reality, the certain reality of this peace. We have folks and a lot of people today, and they live really in a fantasy world. Every night they turn on the tube and they watch a drama and they watch fiction. They watch movies that contain actors who have rehearsed what you're watching. There's fake props. And, and much of the world is an imaginary world. It's a castle in the sky. It's, it's, it's really unrealistic. But the story of the Prince of Peace is a real story, a real story. In fact, it took place at a real time. Notice in verse 1 of chapter 2, it says, And it came to pass in those days that there went out a decree from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be taxed. And this taxing was first made when Cyrenius was governor of Syria. Notice it's referring to a real time. It came to pass in those days. Notice in verse 6, And so it was that while they were there, the days were accomplished that she should be delivered. Notice in verse 11, for unto you is born this day. It's a real time, folks, a real day in history. This is not a Greek mythology. This is something that was planned in eternity past by God himself. We read in Galatians 4 and verse 4, but when the fullness of the time was come, God sent forth his son made of a woman. Notice it mentions the fullness of the time. The creator of this universe knew the perfect time. He picked the day. It was planned in eternity past. So it was a real time. But secondly, it was a real place. Look in verse number 4. It says, And Joseph also went up from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth unto Judea, unto the city of David, which is called Bethlehem because he was the house and lineage of David. It was a real place. This took, this took place at a real place. It wasn't the land of Oz. This wasn't Narnia. This didn't happen in a galaxy far, far away. This was a real place. In fact, back in March, we were there at the very place. And, and we saw places like Nazareth. And we saw places like, like Bethlehem and Jerusalem and, and, and the places where Christ would have walked. Bethlehem would have been the very city that was the home of Jesse and later became the home of David. It was where uh, Rachel was buried and her tomb is there. It is the place where uh, we find that Naomi was from and she brought Ruth back there and, and Boaz lived there and, and Bethlehem is a real real place and it's one that was mentioned in the scriptures even before the birth of Christ. In Micah 5 and verse 2 it says, but thou Bethlehem Ephrathah, though thou be little among the thousands of Judah yet out of thee shall he come forth unto me that is to be ruler in Israel whose goings forth have been from of old from everlasting. So we find that it's a real place. There's a certain realty here because it involved a real time. It involved a real place. Thirdly, it involved a real Savior. It was the Christ child. In verse 11, it says, for unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. Notice a Savior. Every sinner needs a Savior. We read this in Matthew chapter 1 and verse 21. And she shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus, 
for he shall save his people from their sins. His name shall be Jesus, actually a derivative of the Old Testament Joshua or Jehoshua, which means Jehovah saves. Jehovah saves. He saves us from our sin. He forgives us from our sin. Jesus said the Son of Man hath power on earth to forgive sins. His name's going to be Jesus. Jesus Christ. Christ means anointed. We read this over in Psalm 45, 7. Thou lovest righteousness and hated wickedness. Therefore God, thy God, hath anointed thee with the oil of gladness above thy fellows, above thy companions, above mankind. Christ Jesus was anointed. So we find a real time, a real place, a real Savior who brings a real peace. A real peace. Notice in verse 14, the angel said, glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace, goodwill toward men. Peace on earth, goodwill toward men. Now, you might look at that and say, pastor, we don't have peace on earth yet. Where's this peace that was supposed to come with Christ? In fact, there are some who think our King James Bible is an error. If you look in some commentaries, they'll say it shouldn't have been written like this. No, it should have been written like this. So what did the angels mean when they meant peace on earth? Well, maybe they were talking about that night, a a tranquil, serene, special night when the Christ child made his entrance into this world, and it was a very heartwarming night. Peace on earth that night. You know, back in 1914 when the world was beginning to just get embroiled in World War I, the Germans at that time were fighting the the Brits. And they were fighting in mid-December into late December. And apparently the Germans realized it was Christmas Eve. And on that Christmas Eve night, their guns stopped. And so the Brits stopped firing. And they couldn't really see each other there in the dark. But all of a sudden they heard the Germans singing something over there. They didn't know the words, but they recognized the tune. It was a Christmas song. Then they sung another Christmas song. And then they sung another one. And as they began to sing that Christmas song, the Brits over on the other side of the the valley there began to strike up their brass band and and play to the background. And, And pretty soon they were singing along. They couldn't see each other in the dark. But the next day, the Germans came out unarmed, some of them, and they were saying, Merry Christmas in German. At first, the uh, Brits thought it was a a trick, and they were kind of suspecting, but it wasn't. And so the Brits came out, and they said, Merry Christmas, and they began to exchange cigarettes, and and they played even a soccer game. The Germans won it three to two, and and they sung Christmas carols and and proclaimed a ceasefire. It was weird. Nothing like it. And then the next day, they went back to their lines, and they began to fight again. Maybe the angels meant that peace on earth, at least for this night. Or maybe they meant we wish for peace upon the earth, kind of a blessing and a a benediction, peace on earth. Or maybe they were referring to the future, out yonder there when Jesus Christ will come back during the millennial reign of the Lord, and he will rule and reign, and there will be peace on earth. We find it referred to in Isaiah 9 and verse 7. It says, of the increase of his government and peace, there should be no end upon the throne of David and upon his kingdom. And so we find some things here. First of all, they're a certain reality. But secondly, we see in our text here what I call a Christian's right. A Christian's right. Now, where does this title come from, peace on earth, from the Prince of Peace? Well, 700 years before the birth of Christ, the prophet Isaiah 
said this under Holy Spirit inspiration in chapter 9 and verse 6. He said, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called, among other things, the Prince of Peace. It's a reference to the Lord Jesus Christ. The Prince of Peace. Peace. Peace is mentioned 400 times exactly in our Bibles. In the Old Testament, it's the word shalom. You might be familiar with that. And the word shalom speaks of a a reconciliation or a a restored relationship, a a, a peaceful harmony. A Christian can sing about this because they've been restored with their God. That that reconciliation has taken place, and, and we can have peace like a river as we sing about Jesus in John 14, 27 said, Peace I leave with you, talking to the believers. My peace I give unto you. Not as the world giveth, give I unto you. This is a Christian's right. This is something a Christian is entitled to. Uh, We have available to us. Thayer, the uh, theologian, put it this way. He said, Peace is a conception distinctly particular to Christianity. The tranquil state of a soul assured of its salvation through Christ, and so fearing nothing from God and content with its earthly lot of whatsoever sort that is. You know, it's fitting, isn't it? It it makes sense. If you're a child of God, you have a peace that you're entitled to as a child of God. I found that peace on March 5th, 1981. It was a Thursday night. It was over in Crookston, Minnesota. It was at the Bible Baptist Church. I was just there this last week for a funeral. And I looked at the very spot where I called upon the Lord and trusted Christ as my Savior. And I was changed by the gospel. You know what the gospel is referred to? It's called the gospel of peace. In Ephesians 6.15, it brings peace to the soul. It brings a, 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 a tranquil state to the soul of the believer to where we can actually sing, it is well with my soul. Is it well with your soul today? Have you found Christ as your Savior? It, this peace is a gift at salvation. It is life-changing. It changes cultures. It, it changes nations. I'm part Irish. And... It's a fact that back in the early days, the island of Ireland was a pagan country. It was a pagan nation. It was ruled by the Druids. Even a a hundred years after the time of Christ, there were Druids fighting battles there. And and I'm telling you, they acted demon-possessed. When they would get into battle, they would go out in pairs and basically just wearing a loincloth. And the first guy would throw himself on the spear of the enemy and tie up his weapon while the second guy killed the guy after he didn't have a weapon. It was You'd have to be possessed to do something like that. But they, they, they freaked everybody out. They scared their, their enemies and their adversaries. And they have dug up chalices from those days of the Druids and, and the, the paganism there, the Celtic gods. And they have found these symbols of, of these squirming humans being uh, lifted by the false gods of the Druids and, and thrown into a vat of burning oil. And, and the gods of the Druids, of the Celtics, were, were, were violent, vicious, wicked gods. And that's who they worshipped up until... A man by the name of, of Suket Patrick or Patricus came into the uh, island. Actually, he was uh, known as St. Patrick. And he was born, I think, in, in 389, but not in Ireland, but actually in Scotland. He was a Scotsman. And, and he was taken captive by, 
by the pagans and brought back to Ireland and escaped back to England and, and went back up to Scotland and from there got a burden for the people of Ireland and he went back and he won thousands of them to Christ. In fact, he started over 300 Anabaptist churches or was involved in it was at least and changed a whole nation. And these violent people became peaceful people. Why? Because of the gospel of peace. The gospel of peace. Christ makes all the difference. Salvation makes all the difference. And we read in Philippians 4, 7 that the peace of God which passeth all understanding shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. This peace of God comes through Christ Jesus. Are you truly a child of God? Are you, are you truly a child of peace? We find over in uh, Luke 10... Christ is sending out his disciples two by two. And he makes reference, first of all, to the son of peace himself. And then he mentions your peace, your peace. Because true peace comes from having peace with God by making peace with with Christ. There was a a very self-righteous man. He was at death's door. He was up at the hospital. And the uh, hospital chaplain came in and talked to him for a while. And he said, sir, he said, have you made peace with God? And the arrogant man said, I didn't know we were quarreling. And that sounds good. Well, I didn't know we were quarreling. But sin separates you from your God, according to the Bible. We read this in Romans 5.10. It says, For if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of His Son, much more being reconciled, we shall be saved by His life. Yes, you are quarreling with God. It mentions enemies. This, this I'm okay, you're okay, religiosity is destroying the truth. And, and, and we have this universal okayness. And God to some people is this great-great-grandpa uh, in this, this faraway uh, nursing home, if you will, called heaven, who just overlooks all sin. But the God of the Bible is holy, and he will not overlook sin. He is offended by sin. The truth is, if you put anything ahead of him, you've offended him. That's the first commandment. If you concoct a God of your own imagination, like, well, to me, God is like this or God is like that, you've offended him. There is a God, but he's not the God of your imagination. He's the God of the Bible. If you've taken his name in vain, you've offended him. That's the third commandment. If you've not honored his day, you've offended him. That's the fourth. If you have not honored your parents all the time, you've offended him. If you've been bitter or angry at somebody else, you've offended God. You've broken the sixth commandment. If you've lusted after the opposite sex, you've offended God and broken the seventh commandment. If you've lied, you've broken the ninth. If you've, if you've coveted, you've broken the tenth. If you've stolen, you've broken the eighth. The bottom line is, uh, you're not okay with God if you have not been saved. God is offended by sin, and we read in Romans 8, 7, because the carnal mind is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. So some guy comes along and says, well, I didn't know we were quarreling. Uh, you are quarreling. And men and women are not automatically at peace with God, on the contrary, Bible says the carnal mind is enmity against God. That means at opposition against God. It's not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. And Isaiah 59 says that our sin has separated us from God. 
We read in Ephesians 2.13, But now, in Christ Jesus, ye who sometimes were far off are made nigh or close by the blood of Christ, for He is our peace. You come to God through the blood of Christ. We read in Colossians 1 and verse 20 of Christ, it says, Having made peace through the blood of His cross by Him to reconcile all things unto Himself. Notice He's made peace through the blood of His cross to reconcile all things unto Himself. You say, well, who's eligible for this, Pastor? Well, it says all things in that verse. And back here in our text in Luke 2, notice in verse number 10. And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. Who's eligible? All people. That news was given to the shepherds. Shepherds were the outcasts of the day. Really, at that time, they were the dregs of society. They were the the rejects. And yet, the angels say to them, this is for you. This is for all people. Do you lack peace? Have you had a time when you've trusted Christ as your Lord and Savior? When, When you've put your faith in the shed blood of Jesus Christ? You know, man will come up with everything but that in order to get to heaven. And they'll teach that if you just get baptized, that water will wash your sin away. If you just live a good life, hopefully when you die, your good will outweigh your bad and God lets you in. And you find all these religions with all this works salvation. While the Bible says it's not by works of righteousness, which we have done. If you could work your way to heaven, first of all, the average person is failing miserably. We just talked about the Ten Commandments. Failing miserably. Secondly, if you could work your way to heaven, why did Jesus Christ come and suffer and bleed and die and shed blood for your sins and mine? Salvation is by placing your faith in what Christ did to pay the price for our sins. Salvation is by repentance from sin and faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's when you find peace. We read in Romans 5 and verse 1, Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. I'll never forget that verse. The night I got saved, I laid eyes on it for the first time, and it it, it clicked. I connected the dots. That's where the peace is. Therefore, being justified, how? By good works or baptism or joining a church? No. Being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. We see the certain reality of this peace. We see the uh, Christian's right to this peace. And finally, let's talk about the celestial realization of this peace. There was this guy who went to the bookstore and bought one of those self-help books like I was talking about a moment ago. He was trying to find peace and he read the first chapter and it said, you'll find peace by finishing the things you start. He thought, okay. So he went and grabbed a box of chocolates he hadn't finished. He finished that off. He felt a little bit better. And And he found some cheesecake he hasn't finished, and he finished that off. He felt a little bit better, and then he found a few tablets of Prozac, and he finished those off, and and a couple more tablets of Valium and another bottle, and he finished those off, and yeah, I'm feeling better already finishing this stuff off. May I say that's not the solution. What is the solution? Here it is. Come up close. It's real simple. If you are going to have peace, God must rule and reign in your heart. God must have first place in your life. We read in Colossians 3 and in verse 15, and let the peace of God rule in your hearts to the which ye are called. 
Let the peace of God rule in your heart because God is ruling in your heart. God must reign in your heart. Um, Peace comes by knowing Christ and letting him be on the throne of your life. Peace comes from trusting Christ by having this, this personal relationship with him. So many people don't understand this. They can't identify with this this most glorious person in the universe. He must be the most glorious person in your life. And and God will not give you a true peace, a lasting peace, aside from him, separate from him. I know a lot of people in this world, and they're dabbling in this, and they're trying that, and they're playing with this, and doing that, and, and they're just not finding peace, and they're wondering why. God will not give you peace separate from him. The most glorious person in your life must be him. It must be him. We read in Romans 15 and in verse number 13, Now the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing. And anything else is superficial. Anything else is temporal. But the God of hope can fill you with all joy and peace in believing. We find this this celestial realization, it comes from a celestial relationship, a heavenly relationship. What will we realize if we find peace with God? Well, let me just say, first of all, you'll find peace within, and that's the thing that people are really looking for, peace within ourselves. There are a number of people, they're paralyzed uh, with anxiety uh, within, and and life to them is, is a hopeless thing. But we read in Philippians 4 and verse 6, be careful for nothing, meaning full of care or anxious. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God, and the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. We have the hearts and minds of people under assault, and people are living in guilt and in worries and in Uh, confusion and uncertainty and regret and hopelessness, and it threatens their peace. It's under attack. Well, my Bible says in 1 Peter 5, 7, to cast all your care upon Him, for He careth for you. You can cast all that care upon Him. You can trust Him as a loving, as a caring Heavenly Father. And as Christians, we can take our our uh, anxieties to God. We can tell Him about those things. We can ask for His help, and we can have that peace that passeth all understanding within, within. And then there's also something that comes when we make peace with God. We have a peace without, a peace without, a peace with others. Notice our text in chapter 2 of Luke. The last part of verse number 14 says, goodwill toward men. It mentions that peace on earth goodwill toward men. Most of you are familiar with Charlie Brown and, and Lucy. Charlie Brown was talking to Lucy one day and she said, she said, I hate you. I hate everything. I hate everybody. I hate the world. Charlie Brown said, I thought you had this inner peace. She said, I do, but I have this outer obnoxiousness still. And you know, a lot of people, they talk about an inner peace, but they have an outer obnoxiousness and you will not have an inner peace with an outer obnoxiousness. Bible says in Romans 12 and in verse 18, if it be possible as much as lieth in you, live peaceably with all men. Live peaceably with all men. Maybe you have some 
frustrating relationships. You have some awkward, uh, painful even relationships. Maybe you've been wrong. Maybe you've been uh, hurt. And you say, what do I do with this? We have to trust God with those things, folks. The key is to trust God. And to remember to forgive as we've been forgiven. Seventy times seven. Remember? It's real plain. Forgive as we've been forgiven. Never get over the amazement that God has forgiven you. Never get over that. The amazement that the, the God of this universe, this infinite God, could be reconciled to a sinner like me or a sinner like you. Never get over that. Give Him glory for that. In, in fact, in, in verse 14, the glory to God comes first. Notice, glory to God in the highest. And then, peace and goodwill toward men. So, Maybe you're at war with yourself today. I don't know. Maybe there's inner turmoil uh, in your heart and bosom. I don't know. Maybe you're at war today with others and, and you're living in this constant state of unrest. Remember what we looked at at the very beginning, kind of glanced over it, but Isaiah 26.3 says, Thou wilt keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee because he trusteth in thee. God will keep that person in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on him. Why? Because he trusts in him. You know, peace isn't the uh, absence of problems. We know that. But it is the presence of joy, the presence of faith in the midst of those problems. Back in 1555, the so-called Protestant Reformation was raging across Europe. And there was a preacher by the name of, of Nicholas Ridley who had witnessed for Christ and withstood the church of Rome and was sentenced to be burned at the stake. And, and Ridley had a brother who came to comfort him in, in the tower the night before he was to be burned at the stake. And, and that brother thought he would need to stay with Ridley all night long to uh, kind of reassure him and so on. And it was getting late and Nicholas Ridley started yawning and looking at his watch and, and he said, brother, I know what you're trying to do, but you can go home. I'm tired. I'm going to bed. I'm asleep by God's grace like a baby and, and get up and face the flames in the morning. And he did. He did. Why? Because he trusted God. We can trust God. You know, I had several emails after that comment last week in the message about having some good verses on trusting God. And I was blessed to see some folks say, I'd like to see those verses. Can we trust God? There was a young Christian, he wanted to, to really do something big for God. So he got this sheet of paper and, and he started writing down uh, things he wanted to do for God, things he wanted to stop doing that were offending God, uh, people he wanted to witness, two places he wanted to go. And, and he brought it to the altar at the end of a, a service during the invitation and he, he held it out to God. He folded it up and he went back to his seat, but he didn't have peace. So he went back home and he thought, oh, I'll just add some more things. So I'll stop doing this. I'll, I'll start doing that. And he made the list longer. Came back to church. Invitation time came. Came to the altar. Held it out to God. Said, this is what I commit to you. Still no peace. Finally, he went to talk to his pastor, an old pastor. And the preacher said, well, here's what you really need to do. He handed him a piece of paper. He said, uh, just sign your name at the bottom here. Take this and put it on the altar. Tell God you trust Him to fill in the rest. Whatever He wants, you trust Him. A young man did that, and he found peace. Well, it was a special night. 2,000 years ago in Luke chapter 2, 
we find this glorious reading made. And by the way, for years as a kid, I grew up, I didn't know any Bible. But I knew this passage because I heard Linus recite it every year on a Charlie Brown Christmas. Right out of our King James Bible. And so when I read it for myself the first time, I went, now I know this. Let's read it again one more time, shall we? Luke chapter 2, and in verse number 8, it says, And there were in the same country shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were sore afraid. And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you. You shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. You've been listening to Pastor Tony Skeving of the Fargo Baptist Church in Fargo, North Dakota. If you would like a CD of today's message, you can obtain one by sending a gift of $2 to Fargo Baptist Church, 3303 23rd Avenue South, Fargo, North Dakota, 58103. That address again, Fargo Baptist Church, 3303 23rd Avenue South, Fargo, North Dakota, 58103. We hope you'll join Pastor Skeving next time right here on Puppet Power. Pulpit Power is a production of Heaven 88.7.